says this, John eleven twenty three, 23. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I'm going to stop right there. Man, tonight, the title of this message is called The Main Event. I need you to make a decision. Do you believe or do you not believe? Some of you are on the fence in many different areas of your life, not just, not just being the born-again state of what many typically call salvation, but some of you, do I really believe God can do this miracle in my life? Do I really believe God can restore me after all the bad things I've done? Do I really believe God? Do, do I? And you're asking yourself this question. Tonight, I want you to make the decision to begin to believe God and, the, and that his promises are true. And he said, do you believe this? And verse 27 says, she said to him, yes, Lord. And I hope that's all of our response tonight. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. And then verse 40 said, Jesus said, did I not tell you? That if you believe, you will see, everybody say, I will see the glory of God. Father, show us your glory. Show us your glory by making dead things come to life. Father, I'm believing for miracles in people's lives. That even if people in this room don't even believe you exist, you'll show them you exist by your glory. God, change our hearts. Transform our lives. Use us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. And so, hey, we've titled this series Lazarus because we're going to let God build something out of us. In doing so, we're going to rise above our circumstances, conditions, and questions that plague us in our Christian walk many times. And I hope many of you have had questions answered throughout this series. And some of you realize that you're the uh, emotional basket case. Some of you have realized you're the control freak. Some of you have realized that, that you need to give something a pillow that you put in a tomb. And many of these things, go pick up the series. It's on the CD rack outside. And we're going to let God make something out of our lives. And I don't want you to think of your life as an instance anymore, but I want you to begin to think of your life as an occasion. An occasion takes planning. An occasion takes time to develop and ends up being a lot more beneficial than to just a few people. Listen, you going out to eat last night was an instance, but you planning your wedding was an occasion. How many of you know it took you a lot more planning to plan a wedding for, for most of us? <laughs> I'm just going to qualify that. For most of us, it took a lot more time to plan your wedding than it did go out to eat last night. How many of you know building a house is an instance, but remodeling a house is an occasion? I mean, sorry, I'm remodeling a house. It's an occasion. It's, it's, it's brutal right now. No, you're building a house is an instance, but building a skyscraper is an occasion. You know, building a house affects a few people, and it's beneficial to a few people. Building a skyscraper, multitudes are affected. Even if they never go in it, they see it from a distance. And even though somebody may never meet you, God's making an occasion out of your life. And as they see you from a distance, their life can be transformed just by watching the way you live. Come on now. I believe God wants to transform lives just by somebody watching you and watching you from a distance. And how many of you know if you're in a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in this day, you're getting watched? <laughs> And that, not even from a distance sometimes. And so I want to encourage you that, that God wants to do something in your life. And so verses 5 through 7 of this passage, it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and her sister, which would be Mary. But oddly, when, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. And after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. We got to begin to realize that in this walk with God, as we begin to move forward, just because he did not show up in your timing, you cannot begin to question the love of the Father just because his time frame doesn't line up with your time frame. Come on. And many people, when God doesn't do what they want him to do because he's your servant, not your God, 
You get mad that he doesn't show up on your time frame. You've got to get past this question. Does he love me? He proved his love for you on the cross of Calvary. What other proof do you need? He proved his love for you when he raised his son from the dead for you, not for him. (laughs) He raised his son from the dead for you. Okay? He proved his love to us then. And if we ever begin to question the love of God, we must reconcile that immediately in our heart and realize that the love of God is not in question. Because even right here, he said, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary. So the love of God is not in question. And when Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness of Lazarus is not fatal or it will not lead to death, but it will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. And we already went over. I don't want you to think of your life as an instance, but an occasion now. And now an instance is this it's an occurrence that takes place that people witness but an occasion is planned it's deliberate it's not casual it takes time has a process and many people are affected by it amen your life is an occasion God has a plan for your life he says uh, in Jeremiah 29 11, for I know the plans I have for you or I know the occasion that I have for you the occasion is to prosper you and not to harm you to give you a hope and a future and just because you don't see the occasion in the moment you're in doesn't mean he's not working on something amen So you got to begin to realize he's got an occasion planned for your life. Now the issue we face because we're either a control freak or an emotional basket case is the very definition of occasion. It's planned, has a process, and takes time. Now if you're the control freak and it's out of your control, you're in trouble. (laughs) Because it's planned, takes time, and has a process. If you're the emotional basket case and it's out of your control, you're in trouble. Because it's planned, takes time, and has a process. Neither one of these people are happy, and we all fall into one of these two categories, if not both. Because of the definition of occasion, many people have put things in a tomb that they should have been giving a pillow. Just because your dream didn't show up on the day you thought it should show up, you said, I guess God, I missed God, and I'm done with that. No, maybe you should have gave it a pillow and not stuck it in a tomb. It's not dead, but it may be resting. And maybe God's needing to get to rest because he's developing you, not the occasion. Ah, oh. How crazy it is when we, think, when we find out we're the issue, not God. <laughs> That's why our dream didn't show up on time. Maybe he's developing you, not the occasion. And so on the journey, we need to find a purpose, find your purpose, and see who's on the journey with you. Don't look for the purpose of a journey. Find the purpose in the journey. If you look for the purpose of the journey when you're in the midst of the crisis, you're going to falsely blame God for things God did not do and things God did not put you through and things God's not wanting you to go through. But in the midst of the crisis, whatever you're in, you find a purpose in the journey and look around to see who's with you on the journey. You can be effective in the ministry of the kingdom of God because you're finding a purpose in the midst of your crisis moving forward in your life. And and so we talked about this last week. Jeff preached a great message on it, looking versus believing. And many times we tell God what he can and cannot do with our you can't, I know, and he forgot statements. (laughs) How many of you know when, when, when somebody starts talking to you and tries to minister you and tries to encourage you, I know, I know, then, then you really don't know because your attitude says everything. And many times we, we push God off or, or we tell God he can't by the very actions we do. 90% of communication is body language, right? You can tell somebody you love them, but if you don't show body language that shows them, there's a lot more proof that you don't love them than you do love them. And so we got to begin to understand looking versus believing. And and I love what Nick said. When you walk in the flesh, your actions follow how you feel. But when you walk in the spirit, you have spiritual actions or discipline, and the feeling follows it. How many of you know no sacrifice feels good in the moment? But after a while of doing the right things over a period of time, you find yourself in a place that, hey, life is good. Because you quit following feelings, and now feelings are following you. 
you're dictating life instead of life dictating you many times. And so uh, as we're in the, tonight's message, the title is Main Event, and the first point is this, let's get it on. <laughs> I love the beginning of UFC fights. How many of y'all like UFC? Okay, I like UFC. I don't care if you like it or if you don't, okay? I like it. It's crazy. My kids are great at it. <laughs> they do it every night. It's the Royal Rumble in our house, and we literally do this. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on. And, and they go at it. Okay, you can say I'm a bad pastor all you want. <laughs> My kids love it, and they love it when Daddy gets in the mix with it, okay? And, and so some of y'all know I'm telling the truth, too, because you do it, too. You just don't want to admit it in church. <laughs> but God's saying the same thing. He's saying the same thing. He says, Joel, I see you, and I see my promise. Are you ready? Let's get it on. Let's see it come to pass. There's got to be a time when you get tired of just getting beat up by the circumstances of the world, and you grab hold of the promises of God and begin to say, let's get it on, and let's, let's move towards this. On the way to your occasion, the time comes, the moment's here, and it is the main event. God wants to manifest something in your life. And my question to you is, why not right here, why not right now, and why not tonight in this place because the presence of God is already here. And his question to you is, are you going to sit there and watch somebody else get it on? Or are you going to step up to the promise of God, grab hold of it and say, let's get it on. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to see something happen in my life. I'm not going to let go of the promises of God. you got to keep believing. you got to keep believing this. Keep believing that God, he is the God of your occasion. He is the maker, the placer, and the taker to your occasion. Now I want to just define this term maker. He made your occasion. Now listen, he made your occasion. He didn't cause the circumstance, but because he loves you and those around you, it will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. Now I, I want to get this real clear because a lot of people blame God for bad things and God is not the author of bad things in your life. Because you, you got to get back to the very, the very elementary text of the scripture where Jesus said this. The devil came to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you would have life, have it in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. So if what's going on in your life, you got to make it fall under one of these two categories. If it falls under this one, you can't blame God for it. But if it falls under this one, it's life-giving, it's nourishing, it's making a difference in the kingdom of God, then it can fall under this one. And there is none of this up in the air, and we'll see how it turns out to see where it falls. <laughs> okay? No, we got to begin to decide these things in our life. And, and I want to define this. The circumstances in your life are bad things that happen because life is life. Circumstances show up. I mean, we had a couple in our church this past Sunday just come in after their, they, they came home Saturday night and, with, and they put a brand new refrigerator in the house and it flooded their house. That's a circumstance, right? I mean, destroyed their floors, everything, their life, it, it was a wreck. They didn't do anything to cause that. God wasn't trying to teach them a lesson through that. Come on now. I mean, God doesn't, I, I love saying this phrase, heaven is not so bankrupt that God has to use things of the devil to prove how good he is to you. He is God all by himself. And heaven is not bankrupt. And so circumstances in your life happen. And listen, life is not fair. I'm sorry, it's not. Why did me and my wife have to lose a baby? I don't know, but we sure didn't blame God for it because it doesn't fall under, I give you life in abundance to the full until it overflows. It comes steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, that's obviously wasn't from God. 
But in the midst of that circumstance, and people always say this, Joel, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a fallen, broken, sin-natured world where the devil is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's why bad things happen to good people. And, and, and here, here, here's a question. I hope it jacks up your theology. I really do. If it is God's will for you to be sick, you are sinning by going to the doctor to get well. I'm just saying. Don't get mad at me. It's your theology. Y'all are looking at me like, well, I just don't believe it. Then what do you believe? Because if you believe it's from God and sickness is from God, you're sinning by trying to get well. But see, even deep down inherently within you, you know being well is how you're supposed to be. So you cannot rightly blame God for your sickness. Did you do something to cause it? No, sin nature is in the world. Steal, killing, and destroying. We've got to get these elementary truths correct in our life. Because if you don't, it's going to jade the way you view God and everything in it. And so I'm getting back on track. I'm going to finish this message, I promise. <laughs> so circumstances, bad things happen because life and life. Conditions, places we find ourselves in because of bad decisions. <laughs> don't go blame God for what's happening in your life when you've been making bad decisions. I'll just stay in the, stay in the zone, stay in the zone. When you've been making decisions that you know are dumb, really, uh, refrain, phrase well, phrase well. You cannot go out and act like a hellion all night and expect to wake up the next morning feeling like a champion. I'll just phrase it like that, okay? And when you don't wake up feeling like a champion, you can't blame God that you feel bad. When you stayed out all night, Acting like a hellion. Does that make sense? Do, do, it, can, do I need to make it PG rated instead of G rated? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. So circumstances are things that happen in life because life is life and we're in a fallen, broken world. Conditions are things of our bad decision making that put us in places that we shouldn't be. But guess what? Either way, God has the power to make an occasion out of it and get glory brought to him by bringing you out of your bad decisions or the circumstances of life. Because he said, I know the occasion I have planned for you. And I love that the Bible says this. The plans of God cannot be thwarted or derailed is what that means by the enemy. So listen, you can take the long road to your destiny or you can take the short road. The choice is yours. But you got a destiny out there, and I believe you're destined to reach it. Come on. And the sad thing is some people don't because their conditions or their bad decisions sometimes cut their life short, and they never reach their destiny. Okay? And, and, and that, I never say God needed another angel in heaven. <laughs> and that's a sad statement to say. But I want you to understand, God is the maker and the placer and the taker to your occasion. And he's going to get you there. And you got to continue to believe that he's got a path for your life that he's bringing you to. And listen to verse 4 says, when Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal or will not lead to death. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. So you've got to remember in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of your condition, there's a word or a promise from God that precedes your life. Listen, the Bible was written before you were born. So there's a promise about your life that preceded your life. That it doesn't matter what circumstance or condition you are in. There's a promise that preceded your life on this earth. And you can always go back to a word from Jesus about your current situation that will override your circumstance or condition and get you to your destiny. 
Some, that ought to, some of you should have shouted a lot louder on that one. And God has a place for you. And you've got to remember what is going on in your life, as bad as it may seem in the moment, it's not fatal unless you let it be. It's not fatal unless you let it be. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's son. And Jesus in verse 40 said, did I not tell you that if you believe you would see the glory of God, do not give up on the maker. If he said it's not fatal and it will not end in death, he's going to take you to the place of life and put you in the place of your destiny if you will follow him. We've got to grab onto that truth from God's word. He is also the placer. He has placed you on a path for your occasion. After he said this to the disciples, he said, let us go to Judea again. Even though it might not seem like the path you would take, if it's the path that Jesus is on, then it's the path that you need to be on. <laughs> Listen, some of you, when you are led by the path of God to your destiny, God's going to tell you to make decisions that you wouldn't make, but God knows what's ahead of you where you don't. Okay, there's been times when, when I was, I was said, God, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan for the day. And God said, no, I, I don't want you to do that today. I want you to do this today. So I went with his way, and it's a good thing I did this because I found out that the catastrophe that happened with this. And he brings you around some of your issues sometimes. Even though it does not seem like the path that you should take, if it is the path that Jesus is on, then it is the path that you need to be on. Thomas was struggling with this. This is who's, who, right before this, he, Jesus said, let us go to Judea again. And then right after this, I'm sorry, Thomas said, good, we'll all go and we'll die right along with him. Right? Go read the passage. Is that the back part of your notes? Thomas said that to Jesus. Jesus said, we're going to go to Judea again. And Thomas was like, they just tried to kill you there. Let's go and we'll die right along with him. If it doesn't seem like the path you need to take, if it's the path that Jesus is on, it's the path you need to be on. He is the placer of it. He knows where your destiny lies. If it was my path for my life, I would have left Silver Springs at 18 and never came back. <laughs> Praise God, I stayed in Silver Springs. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> because I know my personality. I know what life would have been like if I would have took another path. It wasn't the path that I had designed for me, but it's the path that Jesus was on for me, so it's the path that I stayed on. And, and I'm glad I did. Because, man, life is good. Come on now. <laughs> I love it. And so I want to encourage you. All your friends may be saying, I don't know why you keep going to church. I don't know why you keep believing. If it's the path that Jesus is on, then it's the path you need to stay on. And, and listen, it, it doesn't matter what your friends say. They're not going to stand accountable for your life when you, when you stand before the Lord. You are. And I want you to stay on course for your destiny. And if it's the path that Jesus has you on, I want you to stay with it. He's also the taker. Believe in him, not in your occasion, and he'll take you there. This is, a, this is a big difference. This is a big, big issue. It's what I addressed uh, at, at the end of worship. Many people have our eyes on the occasion and not at the one who's going to make the occasion. Many of you, has, you have your eyes on what's dead or the problem, or, or even you're looking for the miracle. Quit looking for the miracle. Look to the Father who's the giver of the miracle. Come on, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to back off. Okay? He, he's not just the maker of your occasion. He's not just the placer and he's getting you there, but, but, but he's the taker. He's going to take you to the place. Believe in him, not in your occasion, and he'll take you there. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me. Listen, he said whoever believes in me. He didn't say he, he who believes in the rising of the dead. You got to believe in me. 
You know, and if you go back to the beginning verses that we just read up here, he said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know that he will rise again. Because she, she said this, in the resurrection on the last day. So she believed in the resurrection, but she didn't believe he was the resurrection. Did you catch it? So she believed in the theology of it. She didn't believe in the man who was it. <laughs> See, a lot of you believe in the theology of God is good, he's got a plan for my life, but you don't believe in the man himself who's going to get you there. <laughs> You can believe Jesus is coming back to take us all home, but you got to believe in the man who's going to get you there. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, it's these subtle changes if you'll make in your spiritual walk and get your eyes on the right thing. It's this, this, this little tweaking process that's going to make your Christian walk run a lot more efficiently. And, and I always phrase it like this. You know what a timing belt is in a vehicle? It, it's the thing that keeps everything running smooth. If the timing belt gets off just a little bit, Everything begins to mess up. The enemy's job is not to make you go out tonight if you, are a, uh, if you're, if you don't ever struggle. With, I'm just going to throw this out there, okay? Just hypothetical. If you don't struggle with the issue uh, of drinking at all and you never have an issue with it and it doesn't bother you, the enemy's plan is not to get you to go out and get plastered tonight. He's trying to just get your timing belt off a little bit. I'm going to just try and jack with this theology just enough, <laughs> To make him question the love of the Father. If you can get your timing belt off a little bit, nothing begins to run right. You can't hear from God right. You're missing opportunities that you, that you normally would happen, happen to take care of. And everything's just off just a little bit. Have you ever been, I feel like I've messed up before. And that was bad, but, but I knew I messed up and I could repent and get back on track real quick. But it's when my was off. My timing belt was off. My spiritual timing belt was off. That's when I struggle the most because I can't figure out where I'm missing it. I can't figure out what the problem is. I got to let it run for a while and I got to evaluate every area of my Christian walk. And, and, and I'm reading like I always read in the morning for an hour and, I, and I'm doing my worship like normal time for about 30 minutes, but something's still not clicking right when I do it. And I got to start reevaluating what's in my life. Does that make sense? And so we've got to begin to, to believe not just that there is a resurrection in the last day like Martha did, but Jesus is the resurrection. And we've got to believe that he's not just the maker, the placer, but he's also the, the taker of it in your life. And so Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. We face a huge issue in the church today, and it's not lack of faith that we face a struggle with, but it's misplaced faith. Misplaced faith. We have faith in things rather than the God who supplies them. Such as, I believe in the blessing of the Lord. I believe in a God who gives blessings. I believe in healing. I don't. I believe in a God who still heals. It's not that your faith is, it's not that you don't have faith, it's just misplaced. You're putting your faith in, in, in a gift, not the Father who gives it. This is the same thing that we've talked about in the, 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 the series we just got done with the quest. Israel knew, knew his acts, but Moses knew his ways. He knew his heart. He knew the gift of the Father. He knew, he knew who he was. And, and, it, and in the end of the, the, the home series, he, he, Jesus, the, the master said this, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. <laughs> so, so it's not that you've got to believe that God has everything and it's all yours. It's that you've got to believe in God himself and put your faith back in the right place and it says this in hebrews that jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith and that's why i love that let us so let us keep our eyes fixed on him see a lot of times we take our eyes off the the gift the, the giver and focus on the gift now the purpose of the gift is to draw people's fa uh, face up to the face of the giver 
Okay? Such as, like, like if this is a gift from God to Tony, the purpose in this gift is not to give Tony a gift, it's to draw his face to the face of the Father. The purpose of forgiveness is not so you can go out and sin again, but to draw your face to the face of the Father, to get to know his ways, not just his acts. The purpose of, of redemption, being made brand new, because in Christ you're a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, is not so you can just be brand new, it's so your face will look up to the face of the Father and you won't die. <laughs> come on now, that's good. We've got to begin to place our faith in the right, and I don't even want to say things, in, in him, and then his things become a natural part of the, the way we live. Don't stop. We love to stop the account of this story with Lazarus where it says, come out. And the Bible says, we, we know what the Bible says. If you go down to the last page of, uh, of, your, uh, of your outline in verse 38, it says, Jesus, then Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laying against it. And, there were, and, and a stone, excuse me, and a stone laying against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And listen, Martha, the control freak, the sister of the dead man said, said to him, Lord, by this time there's an odor. He's been there four days. He, Martha's even trying to control Jesus on the Jesus. Don't do it. There's a stink in there. Do you not think he knew? Do you not think he understood? And so she's trying to control everything. And so he said, there's an odor. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. I don't have time to preach on that, but some of y'all need to make that a part of your daily theology. Father, I know that you hear me, and I know you always hear me. But I said this on the account of the people standing around. See, it made it an occasion. There's a group of people standing around. That they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And a lot of people like to stop the story with, Lazarus, come out. But the story doesn't stop there. And the man who died came out, and his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. We love the occasion when you arrive and the glory hits and the glory says, come out. And the, the rising of the dead happens. Come on. When, when the great breakthrough happens of finances, and you've been praying and believing God, and it finally comes through, and the financial breakthrough happens. You've been praying and believing God, and a healing happens. You've been praying and believing God for, for a spouse, and a spouse happens. You've been praying and believing God for kids, and a kid happens. Amen. You've been praying and believing God, and it happens, and God gets glory, and the, and the come out occurred. And everybody rejoices with you, but Jesus doesn't stop at just your occasion happening. He's better than that. Come on. He's better than that because he said, unbind him and let him go. Jesus is not satisfied with you getting there. He wants you to be set free so you can enjoy being there. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> See, some of y'all are just satisfied with just getting there. He's not satisfied with you just getting there. He's he wants you to be happy when you get there. See, some of y'all just think, if I just get this bill paid, he's not satisfied with just get you getting a bill paid. He wants you to be debt-free so you don't got to worry about bills. Come on, thank you, Jesus. I receive it. Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, starts September 11th. Sign up. 
I'm serious about stuff like this. A lot of people are just so happy to get out of the crisis. God doesn't want you just getting out of the crisis. He wants to set you up, and when you get out of the crisis, make you happy when you're there. It would have done no good for Lazarus just to come out and stay bound up in the death clothes the rest of his life. I mean, really? God's better than that. And we got to see past our momentary crisis. The miracle for your crisis is coming. The miracle for your crisis is here. But he wants you to be happy on the other side of it too. Come on. See, he said, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. The Amplified Version says, I want you to have life. That's your miracle. But have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Why? When it overflows, other people are affected. It makes it an occasion, not just an instance. An instance is just for you. An occasion is for somebody else. We've got to begin to think like this. Many people pray to get married but are never set free from their past, so now they're ruining their occasion. I've seen a ton of people go through hell in their life, and they finally find this one person who's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> they're happy. Life is good. We're in marital bliss until the honeymoon, uh, before the honeymoon ended. <laughs> it happens. Your past caught up with your occasion. And many people bring their past into their occasion, which should be a brand new, but because we didn't unbind and let go, our new occasion just became a new hell, not a place to be set free and enjoy a life of living. Come on now. Some... But we, we... You're praying for a miracle, and I want you to get your miracle. But I want you to be set free so on the other side of it you can enjoy your miracle. Okay, man, and there may be some healing that takes place before your occasion can happen. So when your occasion happens, you're free and you can enjoy the other side of the miracle. See, God's seeing past your momentary miracle. You're looking for the miracle. I don't blame you. Look for the dadgum miracle. I hope it happens tonight. But God's looking past your miracle and so am I because I don't want you to just get a miracle. I want you to have a miracle, but I want you to be set free in the midst of your miracle so you can enjoy what the new life he's given you is. And we got to begin to walk out this in the fullness of it. And, and, and many people pray for kids. <laughs> but then kids happen. <laughs> and I, I said this, God, I prayed for kids, not dirty diapers. <laughs> They're one and the same. I, I love it when I, when I said this a few Sundays back. You pray for a world changer and God says, good, change a the diaper. <laughs> they don't just happen. you got to raise them. I mean, there's something on the other side of your miracle that he's doing. And he wants the miracle to happen, but he wants you to be set free so you can enjoy the other side of your miracle. Man, and some of you are praying for financial miracles, and I want you to get it, and I want you to get it in abundance to a full till it overflows so you got something to bless somebody else with, but not at the expense because you have a poverty mindset that you go right back to being broke after the miracle. I mean, does that make sense? I mean, when God says go to faith, to faith, to glory, to glory, it wasn't from desperation miracle to desperation miracle. That's not what he's talking about. It was faith to faith and glory to glory. I got my miracle. I was set free from a poverty mindset. Now I have an ability to live life in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I'm going to bless everybody I can. Yeah. Does that make sense? And, and, and the same thing, same thing with your healing. You're believing for a healing miracle, but your bad lifestyle habits are going to put you right back into health issues. Come on. See, we like to talk about smoking and drinking, but not overeating. All right, I'm going to quit because everybody just got mad. Everyone, I just saw like, hmm. Hey, read about gluttony in the Bible. I'm just telling you. I'm saying. 
I, I'll never forget there are two amazing people, and I'm, I'm not going to quote their names because I, I think I'll get one of them wrong. They're two renowned people in the past. I mean, men of faith, and they met each other one day. And the one dude answered the door, and he was smoking a cigarette. And, and he said, you're one of them sinners that smokes. And he said, you're one of them sinners that eats too much. Quit judging other people's sins. Good Lord, we all got enough of our own that, that we need to bring before the Father. Uh, I mean, Seriously. This is, this is the whole point of this whole series of Lazarus. It's not just so you can believe and rise again. It's not just so you don't become a control freak. I want your miracle, but on the other side of the miracle, I want you to be set free from the control freak you. I want you to have your miracle, but on the other side of it, I don't want you to still be the emotional basket case. I want you to have your miracle, but on the other side of it, I want you to learn to quit putting things in a tomb that God says just give it a pillow and let it rest. I want you to have your miracle, but on the other side of it, I want you to have more than just the moment. Because that's just an instance. I want you to have an occasion for the glory of God. And, and, and when me and my wife lost, our, lost our, our baby, we wanted a miracle. And we prayed for the peace of God to come in and infiltrate the vehicle immediately. And it did, man. It showed up. I can't even explain to you how it showed up. I mean, Unbelievable. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I can't even explain. I, I, I can't explain it, so I'm going to quit trying. Okay? But in that moment, our prayer was this. God, let us be able to lay hands on other people and let them conceive and have children that they'll carry full term. God, get us past this miracle of your presence. Bring us into a place where we can minister in the power of it. That's what it's all about. And to take it a step further, I believe this so strongly in the church that I want the power of God to hit. I'm talking hit, unbelievably hit. I mean, hit like it's been hitting the past couple Sundays, hit. But there comes a day in the body of Christ when we learn to stand in his power and not fall down on the ground in it. You're no good to the God, God the Father in heaven when you're laid on the ground because the Spirit of God hits you. I'm... I hope you get blessed. I hope you get your miracle. I hope he fixes everything that's wrong in your life in that moment. But the next time it hits, you need to learn to stand in the power of it. You need to minister when the power hits, not fall. Amen. Unbelievers need to fall and pray for them and get them well and get them through it and whatever. But, oh, I believe there's a day when God says, Tony, I want to pour my power out unprecedented. And I need believers to stand in it and minister in the power of it and watch. Blind eyes open. Watch. Dead men walk and rise again. Watch emotional baggage fall off. Watch tumors be healed. Watch dyslexic eyes go see straight. Watch these things happen. That, that we don't become so enamored with the presence of God because we've never seen it before. We be in it long enough. We've been in it long enough that when it hits, we start ministering in the power of it. That's the purpose of this series. The miracle happened. Lazarus came again from the dead. Everybody else was amazed. And Jesus said, I ain't done yet. Set him free. I want you to see the full glory of God and everything I got planned for you. Jesus said this, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? I titled this the main event because it's your main event. Tonight's your night.